And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's be honest, there's 29 NBA teams and then there's a G League roster with a few stars. They have a math problem offensively. Saturdays are the most fun day of the week. And with that, you get the most fun pod right here on the Athletic NBA show. It's called the Saturday Slam and Jam. You'll hear me, Andrew Schlecht, and my co-host Alex Spears break down the past week of NBA basketball bring on a smart beat writer to give you the lowdown on their team. And then we have a trivia game, Andrew versus the beat where I just try not to humiliate myself. So when you're raking your leaves, brewing your coffee, or just taking care of stuff around the house, listen to Saturday slam and jam right here on the athletic NBA show. Right in your podcast face. Welcome to the athletic NBA show on the athletic podcast network. Before we get to the show, a little bit of business up front. In honor of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, we are offering a one-year subscription to The Athletic for just a buck a month. If you go to theathletic.com slash NBA show before midnight on Monday the 29th, you can get all the podcasts ad-free. You get all the great reporting and writing. You get John Hollinger, no ads. You get Seth Partnow, no ads. You get The Athletic NBA show with no ads. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show. Sign up just a buck a month for a whole year. With a group that works like they do, the group that embraces some of our mantras. We talk about getting better every day. We talk about playing together. When you do those things, you end up on a stage like this. For our city of Milwaukee, NBA champions. Yeah. It's big time. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. They have a math problem offensively. You see, you see all these... <laughs> what? What? We can't make this up, man. What? This organization, what we, what we put together, you can't make this up. This ain't well, man. It don't know no, nothing bad. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. This is Nerder She Wrote. I'm Dave Dufour. Joined as I am every single week by Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Special Thursday edition of the show. Before we get to the show, I want to tell you about a great deal. If you go to theathletic.com slash NBA show right now, before Monday the 29th at midnight, you can get a full year subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month. That's theathletic.com slash NBA show. Ad-free podcast. You get me, Seth, and Mo every single week without ads. You also get fantastic writing from the likes of John Hollinger, Zach Harper's power rankings. No ads ever on the site. No ads on the podcast. That's just $1 a month at theathletic.com slash NBA show. And uh, here to see Seth. And of course, I'm Dave Dufour, and I'm joined... Once again this week by Seth and Mo, guys, uh, how you doing? It's Thanksgiving week. Uh, it feels like we should be like um, off the of work. I am great. I am happy. 
I am. We're recording on a Wednesday, so I'm getting ready for my turkey. I'm not a big turkey fan, but I like all of the sides at Thanksgiving meals. So, you know, I will go for a run tomorrow morning to just prepare the body of like, yo, stomach, open up, dude. We going to work. Well, turkey exists to make sure that you eat something that isn't bad for you, right? Like it's like the one thing that you can eat. And it's not necessarily going to make you gain weight. Seth, you're shaking your head. Tur- turkey's good. I t- the tur- this turkey is good. It's like, you know. No, it's not. Stop it. No, it's use not. Use, 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 no, it's use, use some seasoning. Oh, yes. It's yeah, please season. It's, please season uh, your food. Turkey, yeah. Turkey's not good. There, there isn't even seasoning you can do for it. Turkey just sucks. Okay, look, the pilgrims were just in a situation that was the only damn thing around, okay? I understand it from them. I don't know why we continue this tradition. I personally would like a big ass leg of lamb for uh thanksgiving Ooh. but that's hey but that's just my thing everybody else do your thing we gotta eat turkey because it's tradition and all that stuff you know the pilgrims well, if they had the options they wouldn't have had turkey i i don't disagree i actually like the leg of lamb idea that's pretty good i'm stealing that mo um I, before we before we start the show i do want to say thank you to broken bat brewery in milwaukee we did uh the little book signing last night for seth's book it was fantastic. We had a nice turnout. Uh, couldn't have been more well taken care of than than we were by the staff there. They really helped us out. And and again, thanks to everybody who came out last night. It really was a lot of fun, Seth. I I, I was pumped. We really appreciate you guys coming out to an evening with <laughs> Seth Park now. Yes, I, I especially liked we did a little Q and A and 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 someone like definitely intentionally went full Twitter troll and on on his just to he of course he's like well as you know uh, Rudy Gobert gets played off the floor in the playoffs just to watch my face turn colors and uh, I paid him. Yeah. him I paid credit him to, him to be well honest there I, it is. I, I found yeah. a guy I said let's just find a way to make this a thing <laughs> well what's funny is uh, you know afterwards Eric name who was there with us uh, obviously our, our Milwaukee Bucks beat writer he talked to he talked to me he was like it was really cool to watch you and Seth get into your little high pick and roll on the go bear topic I was like yeah man we, we were cooking and um, <laughs> yeah it was fun it was a really good time really good crowd and uh, yeah I'm I really I like Milwaukee. Milwaukee seems to like me. This is this is going really well up here. Uh, so thanks again to to the folks that came out. Uh, but we got a show to do, so let's get to the show. And as usual, we're starting out with our favorite things. And um, I, I'm going to start with my favorite thing the last week. Tyrese Maxey. Uh, he's kind of been one of my favorite things all season. I've been putting off talking about the role players for the Sixers. The truth of the matter is, I don't know if Tyrese Maxey is a role player anymore for this team. Uh, what he's been doing leading the offense has been pretty impressive uh, when you consider where he started last year. And the numbers have been pretty good. I mean, not just the scoring numbers are up. I mean, of course you expect that. He's playing more minutes. He's taking more shots. But he's getting to the basket more. 25% of his shots are happening at the rim, uh, inside three feet. And he's shooting about 74% there. He's actually... <laughs> Joel Embiid is only taking 12 to 13% of his shots at the rim. And it's funny to see a guy Maxi's size getting to the basket and attempting so many shots there, but also finishing so well. Uh, he's shooting better. He's shooting about 40% from three. Of course, you want to see the three-point attempt rate go up, but when you're shooting that well around the basket, eh, I'll live with that. And I actually think his playmaking 
is improving as the season's going on. He's getting more responsibility. I'm really curious to see how this team looks when they get Embiid back and he's fully back into shape, you know, which will take him a few weeks. I think Philly is sneaky tough because of Tyrese Maxey. So you, all the stuff you're mentioning about Tyrese Maxey, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but he's kind of having the season we were hoping to see from De'Aaron Fox, isn't he? Yeah. Like it, just another Kentucky guard who is who's using that just you know incredible speed to get to the basket and make plays and just enough jumpers to keep the defense honest. And as you know, um, Fox has kind of gotten away from that to the King's detriment. Um, Maxie's really, you know, implemented that in his game and has given the the Sixers kind of a a dynamic drive that they pretty much haven't had in the in the Embiid era. They haven't really had a slasher like this in at any point in the um, uh, the Embiid era. Like they had guys who could get or like Jimmy Butler. T.J. McConnell's um, offended um, right now. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Seth. Uh, it's fair, fair. Um, uh, T.J. McConnell, <laughs> arch penetrator. Um, no, but they, but you know, like Tobias Harris and, and Jimmy Butler, and even Ben Simmons were much more kind of get a shoulder on you, body their way in. And this is guys just a jet who collapses defenses and and make, probably can makes them things easier for some other players when Embiid isn't on the floor. Um, so that's been fun. Um, it's always with a guy who kind of bursts onto the scene like this, who has sort of one kind of one speed you wonder in the playoffs if if he's going to have the variability but that's you know that's a problem for down the road and it's a good problem to have if our you know our our late first round pick second year guard is able to you know be a top 10 point guard in the playoffs we don't know if that's true that's kind of very much good problems yeah well mo his per 36 numbers like when you just look at the raw like his points per game and all this it's basically the same but he's doing this more efficiently like he's just shooting better is this well, is you think it's shot selection or is he just shooting better, like making more shots? Well, his his per thirty six numbers are almost exactly the same because he's averaging thirty five point six minutes a game. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That is, I'm, I'm, that is I'm it from last season. Just, where, where, sorry, like, just, it's, yeah, 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 more workload. You know how I do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's you know he's getting better in in all facets of the game. I got to be honest. I was wrong on him because coming into this season, I was like, okay, look, I like him, this and that. Like, he's probably going to be a great energy guy off the bench. Like, watching him throughout this season, I'm going like, no, he's he's a starter. You know, and I think he's a guy that I almost even look – this is going to piss off Knicks fans. But I, I almost look at better than Emmanuel quickly. Like, I like what he's done. He's developing more playmaking than quickly has at a quicker rate and things like that. Like, we're seeing these things from him. And part of that is him getting just so many more minutes because I think that's the big part, Dave. You know, him only getting 15, 16 minutes a game last year to now getting up to 36. Like, that's a huge jump. And granted – injuries and everything that's gone on but I think he was always going to get around that you know at least 30 with the way the roster was set up and he was going to be such an important piece like he's kind of just showing like hey he's taking a step I wouldn't say a leap but a step and it's you're you're watching these things his three-point shooting is at another level you know has improved from where it was last year only 18 games you know could fall off a cliff tomorrow but we're seeing a lot of these things where I'm pretty impressed from him and you know he upped his assist averages by double two last year to 4.6 this year. And his turnovers haven't gone up that much, you know? And I think that's a big thing too, that you're looking for in terms of the playmaking side of it. He's, he's important, man. Like I've, I've been very impressed. Yeah. Uh, Mo, uh, I, oh, go I ahead. Mean, I think you're, 
No, you just like, is there any, at this point, is there any maybe about it if we're comparing just Maxi and Quickly? Like, I think Quickly's been, had a, had a nice year for, for the Knicks, but I mean, Maxi has been certainly more than that. Um, so I don't like, and that's not, that's not even a shot at, uh, at Quickly. That's just at, like how good Maxi has been. Like, he's been, as you say, sort of, uh, an, un, uh, unapologetic starting level player, you know, as opposed to a guy who's giving you good sixth, seventh man mm-hmm. minutes. I, I mean, and he's, he's working just really well with every lineup they put him in and he can play on the ball and off the ball. The, you know, again, I, I'd like to see uh, some more spot up attempts for him. Cause I do think that that's something that's going to be important to his game, especially when Embiid comes back, you know, they're going to need to work more Embiid post-ups than they were earlier in the year just to get him back in the swing and, and really stabilize their half court offense. But I don't know, man. It's nice to have a maxi in your back pocket uh, when you're thinking about not having Ben Simmons for the rest of the season. So, I mean, uh, uh, sorry, just one more thing, just on the Sixers. It just when they are fully healthy and you have maxi out there, it's just going to open up stuff, right? Like him driving into the lanes and things like that's going to create rotations. It's going to open up threes for Seth Curry, for Danny Green, and things like that. Like I think that's where it's going to really kind of pay dividends for the Sixers in the long run. Yeah. Uh, Can't believe we talked about the Sixers for six or seven whole minutes and Danny Green was not mentioned by anyone but uh, Dave. So thank you, Mo, for breaking the the Danny Green streak. Somebody had to do it. (laughs) Listen, he's too important to the league. Uh, Mo, what's your favorite thing this week? My favorite thing is Chris Porzingis. You know, I think we've we saw what it looked like last year. It's it's not been healthy, and granted, you know, I, I am happy he's healthy. It's something that's very a fragile state. But over the last seven games for the Mavs, and some of this was Luca was out, you know, he's been averaging 26 points, shooting 52.8% from the field, 40.5% from three, averaging 9.3 rebounds and 1.4 blocks. Like, this is the Porzingis the Mavs were hoping to get. Now, granted, can you get this for a long stretch in an entire season? Is, you know, an important thing. He was pivotal in last night's overtime win against the the Clippers, you know, he kind of took over in overtime. Like he was, Clippers had no answers for him. And I thought it was a really impressive performance, but this is something of like, this is what I want to see stick around for the Mavs. And I want to see Porzingis stay healthy and stay this aggressive. I mean, he's super important for them, right? They can't reach whatever their ceiling is unless Porzingis is playing at a very, very high level. And especially on the defensive end. And that's the stuff that, that, they were really getting hurt by with him last year where he just wasn't moving well. And I know the numbers back this up, Seth, but uh, the eye test with Porzingis, I mean, you can see at the beginning of a game if he's in it or not. And it's a lot of it is physical. It's just, it's, it's, I mean, for him, it's, it's mobility. I mean, the ability to his, his promise is that he is a, he, you know, he isn't a seven, three guy who moves like a seven, three guy. He's a seven, three guy who moves like a six, nine guy. But if he moves like even a, a quick seven, three guy, that's, that does not get him in position to, you know, protect the rim as much because he's not the kind of guy who can just stand at the rim and, and wall up the way, you know, the, the, you know, the Brooke Lopez, the Rudy Gobert, Clint Capel, those kind of mountainous, those mountains of guys can, um, he has to, be there with a you know help side as with a little bit of 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 kind of speed moving into it because he's relatively slight and so long-winded way of saying that if he's not right and can't move laterally can't 
turn and run and get to the basket in time, then he's just been a less effective rim protector. And, you know, for that team, especially if they want to play like sort of the uh, the four and five out that I think they want to play or they should want to play with Luca, they have to get that from him defensively. And so that's why it's not just, you know, they need him to be a good – he needs to be a good defender, but they need him to be a good defender. Otherwise, they're ending up playing lineups that are offensively compromised because they're trying to get, you know, another – defensive big on the floor to to shore up the paint and and you know th- th- that sort of tough balance we've sort of seen all year and him getting to that level uh, back to that level would be a big help for them i was talking to tim cato about this on, on 77 minutes our dallas mavericks podcast uh you know the mavs are starting to trend toward more one big lineups which is something that you know we've been talking about since luca basically got there you know how do you maximize what Luca does and how do you maximize what Porzingis does? And part of that is you need to find a way to get an extra shooter out there. Uh, and, and if you're, if you're playing like they play a lot with Dorian Finney Smith in that four spot, which, you know, not, he's kind of a hesitant shooter, although later on this season, I'm sure that that'll change as it usually does for him. But, but Mo, it, you know, it's very important that they do space the floor for, not just for Luca, but for Porzingis too. He needs that space so that he can pump and go and attack the rim and do all the things that have made him like he's a unicorn. He can't be a unicorn if there's no room for him to operate. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I mean, part of the reason why they've had to go to the one big lineup was because Paul George absolutely killed Dwight Powell on a dunk. <laughs> the other <night. laughs> That's true. Um, No, I just wanted to get that joke in there. Um, no, the... the that's such an important piece. So it's guys like Dorian Finney-Smith knocking down shots. Like he shot it really well from three last year, around like 39%. You know, not so well right this season at this point. But like that's an important key there. And yeah, it's just spacing. We've talked about it ad nauseum. You know, I, Seth kind of probably has a chapter in his book about it. I haven't gotten the book yet. Um, the uh, the whole thing. Um, but I think it's an important... Don't make that face, Seth. Um, the... Uh, Spacing, though, is just so important for all those guys. It's important for every offense, but in particular, those two guys. Because, you know, even though Porzingis did post up a little bit yesterday against smaller matchups, that's not really what you want from Porzingis. It's the it's the movement, and it's him kind of attacking off the dribble. And I think that's why you got to have that spacing, and that's why those guys, he's got to continue to hit shots. Tim Hardaway Jr. has to continue to hit shots. Kleba, whenever he's in, has to hit shots. Like, they got to hit sh- threes to create that space. And if those role players are not doing it, Reggie Bullock, another name, those guys aren't doing it, they're going to have problems because then it just becomes easier to defend those two guys. Seth, what's your what's your favorite thing this week? That's not your book. Um, so we we talked. It was I don't know if I remember if it was last week or a couple of weeks ago. We talked about uh, it's two weeks ago. I think we talked about offense being down to start the year and how that's sort of a normal thing. And we kind of dealt a little bit with kind of you know what is it the ball? Is it something like this? So I thought a, a friend of the program uh, named uh, Ronis Lassis from Latvia sent me a really interesting email um the uh, the Latvian Estonian league um 
the two national federations have contracts with different ball manufacturers. So games played, I believe games played in Latvia, they use a ball manufactured by Moltens. And in games in Estonia, they use balls manufactured by Spalding. I might have that backwards, but it's one ball in one country, one ball in the other country. So he looked at things like three-point percentage and um, free throw percentage by teams when they were playing away games either against teams in the same country, so using the same ball they're used to using, or teams in the other country to use the the, the other ball. And basically there's no difference. They sh- uh, um, he, he found that, that the, those teams on the road are shooting, I believe – uh, with the with the same ball, they're shooting seventy one point seven percent from the line. With the opposite ball, seventy one point six percent. The same ball, thirty three seven from three. With the other ball, thirty four from three. So I think that's a that's a really interesting, fun, like real world real world experiment about like the effect of like using different balls and stuff like that. And I just I was really tickled by that and thought that was that was really interesting. Well, the ball the ball conversation. I mean, you know, we 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 talked about it a little bit, and, and I think we all kind of roll our eyes at at the guys complaining about the ball. The ball being different, I'm sure it matters a little bit for guys in their comfort level, but not enough that, you know, the, the, the low shooting slow starts that some of the guys were going through Come on. I mean, cause Kevin Durant, you hand him a pumpkin and he's going to hit 60% from the mid range, right? Like That's he wasn't complaining situation. about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just as messy as it was in uh, Sacramento. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and plenty of leagues around the world. Like, I mean, in Europe, man, Leagues will use one ball, and then when you play in the Euro League, you use a different ball. And so, you know, these guys are, are professional basketball players. They use different balls all the time, especially the guys playing the Olympics and, and FIBA qualifying stuff in the World Cup. I, I just, uh, but that is a nice, really, really nice stat just to prove. Yeah, the ball really probably doesn't matter all that much. Yeah, no, it, Mo, offense yeah. was down just because we let defenses actually, you know, play defense. That's shocking. Offense is down because defense is up. That's it. You just you 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 let guys actually play defense, and you don't get as many clean looks and as many wide open threes or as many uh, uh, free throws and things like free that. Throws. Like it's just kind of it's 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 just logical, guys. That's all it is. And, then, <laughs> That's right. and, and Seth actually wrote a great piece about how it, actually it almost always starts out this way. Normally, is defense is almost always ahead of offense at the start of the season. Because it's you know something you can focus on, and then offense adjusts and from that, and it's something you know that we're it's a trend we're used to seeing. So you know, yeah, I mean, I it's like baseball. I was curious. I had a theory. I thought maybe the ball was a, a thing. I, I was proven wrong, and I just said, okay, cool, move on. So you know, and this is a great stat to continue on with that. Yeah. Well, speaking of moving on, uh, one of our topics for today, guys. Playing fast. We we hear teams talk about it all the time. It seems like a topic of conversation every offseason. When you get a new coach or you get a new, uh, new face in a new place, we all want to play faster. And this came up because right after Luke Walton got fired in Sacramento, we heard from the Kings front office, we want to play faster. And they have a team where if you look at them, I mean, you know, you want to get De'Aaron Fox running. You want to get Tyrese Halliburton running. I, I can understand what, what they're where they're coming from on this. But I want to ask you guys, is playing faster just better? Or does it matter who you have on the court? Because it seems to me if you're playing faster with bad players, it's actually going to be worse. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So this is, there's, there's several things going on here. Like the first thing is just from a knowing nothing else about the teams, the worst teams, the worst worst team of the two would like there to be fewer possessions in a game. Just like fewer possessions, more variance. We have more more chance to overcome sort of the deficit. Now that's assuming you know nothing else about the game. You mentioned that the, the Kings in theory are built to play fast. But part of the reason I think it's not just, you know, say what you want about coaching, but uh, De'Aaron Fox doesn't have the same burst this year. Like De'Aaron Fox was probably the fastest end-to-end player in the league for for years, and it's, it's that's tailed off a little bit. And I think that that, to some, that explains to some degree them, them not wanting – them not being able to play as fast. Um so that, I mean that's that that's that's step one. Um, but yeah, you want your guys to be able to play at that speed, uh, well to be able to play at that speed. It's not just we're going to run up and take and, and shoot shots. It's like well we have the ability to run fast and that'll get us open and that's why it's a good shot, not because we jacked up a shot earlier. Yeah, and it's about playing like faster in the sense of you know just moving quicker. You know, it's not even like, hey, get the ball up the court, take a wild shot. Let's go seven seconds or less. But it's like cutting with speed. It's coming off screens with pace. It's coming off in a way where it's like not just going through the motions. We see it. We know it all the time. You see guys coming off screens. They know they're not getting the ball. They kind of just bullshit when they come off of it. No, it's coming off with intent. And I think that's kind of what you need in terms of pace. I mean, you guys are right. Obviously, if you're a bad team, you don't want to play fast. You want to play slower. This team has the guys to play fast. You know, and, and, and even in a half court setting, you can play fast. And I think, you know, Seth kind of gave the best stat a few weeks ago. You know, just every second you get it up on, in the shot clock earlier is is one point towards your offensive rating, you know, uh, in, in terms of improvement. And I think that's something that's really important. You get in there in the 20, you know, 20, 19 seconds in the shot clock, you got to make the defense have to play defense for that long. And, and you're able to stretch them out and open up opportunities, gives you more chances within that possession. But you got to go quick. You got to cut quick. You can't just kind of sit there and pass the ball into the post and then just kind of loggy on your way out, you, you know, all those things. It's cutting hard. It's making those movements. I mean, that's the big difference when you watch the Warriors. Their, their offense in the half court is fast. They're cutting hard. They're moving hard. It's everybody. It's all of those things. And I think that's a big part of what you're seeing in terms of when we when I say play fast, that's what I mean almost more than get in transition and get fast breaks. It's like, yo, just play with pace. Use your advantage. You have a, a turbo booster in De'Aaron Fox and, you know, you got to use them. Yeah, I, there is some utility, right, to looking for early shots, looking for quick shots even because those, I mean, they tend to be open. Open threes, they tend to be shots at the basket because, again, like you said, Mo, those hard cuts early, you can catch the, the defense on his heels. Semi-transition, I mean, creating fake transition, which is one of my favorite things that the Warriors do, where it's like four guys around the three-point line you know, above the break, and then all of a sudden they start into the, some of their cuts, and, and you are able to put stress on the defense because they know – 
that they have to defend in the first five, six seconds, you cross half court and, and Mo, there's a lot of utility in that. I mean, you're going to, like you mentioned, they have to defend for the full 20 seconds. If you push the ball up court, this is what Miami has been having success with, with Kyle Lowry, those hit ahead passes, Chicago, Similar, right, with Lonzo looking to push the ball up the court. Even Zach Levine looking to push the ball up the court. Uh, we know that this stuff works, but you need the personnel. You know, Houston is having a bad time, Mo. No, but like when you talk about like the early shots, right, it's who's taking those shots. It's the same way we talk about like just the mid-range shots, right? Like there are guys I don't want taking early shots. In the uh, Knicks game against the Lakers the other night, uh, granted, they won, and Emmanuel quickly went off with some threes. He took a three off the dribble with 20 seconds left, and I'm like, yo, that's not your game. That's not your game, and that's not a shot I want. You know, now, if it's Kemba Walker coming off the screen and he's open, I want him shooting that. You know, and there are guys, we know who we want taking those early threes and things like that. We want different opportunities. So it is personnel-based in that regard, especially when it comes to the, the shot selections of, of when do you take an early shot and, and, and a clean look versus when it's like, no, no. Got to pass that one up. Yeah. It's, yeah, the the reason why good shots are more efficient or early shots are more efficient is not that they're early. It's that they're taken early because they're good. And so that's the, that's the sort of when you want to let's play fast and you're not thinking about it in terms of, like you said, Mo, getting into your offense early. If you're just thinking of running up and shooting, you're you're not you're not doing the thing that makes early offense good. And, and so that's, I think, again, you mentioned the Rockets, Dave, um, with kind of a young, inexperienced, maybe less skilled team. I think that line is a little bit harder to ride where it's like, let's play, let's play fast. And then it's like, you know, Jalen Green's like, yes, play fast. I have the ball. I can shoot. And like, okay, if you got a good shot, great. But a lot of times you, it's not so much a great shot. And, and it, it's, it, it's not magic. doesn't magically, just like a Kristaps Porzingis, you know, 14 foot contested jumper doesn't magically become a good shot because he started with his back to the basket like a you know a semi-contested pull-up three isn't a good shot just because there are 20 seconds in the shot clock when you took it yeah um i the the rockets are just i mean it it's really bad um they just don't have the talent to to really do much of anything i mean it's this is a g league roster essentially and them playing faster it it is frustrating to watch i don't know how the young players are actually going to grow because they just are wasting so many opportunities, right? It, yes, and that also leads to another point about, you know, the question about the Kings is playing fast good came up. So pace is kind of a weird stat because people usually think it's the teams that, that like, if we have a fast pace, there's more possessions in our game, we're going really fast on offense. Easiest way for a team to goose pace is to stop playing defense. Because that right. means they, you know, they're giving up open shots early in the clock, and so this is like like playing f- like pace doesn't really correlate on a larger sense to team success because teams that like just using like again possessions per game as a as the the, the basis of pace like yeah your offense is going to tend to be better if your games have more possessions, but your defense is going to tend to be worse and they sort of cancel each other out. This is something that uh, was a really fascinating thing that uh, Mike Bowie from Unpredictable pointed out that that's in the book is uh, you didn't think I was going to get you know, far with that. No, but he, but he was talking about like the first of the Warriors championships teams. They were, they were not tops in the league in pace. 
but they were the tops in the league in offensive pace. Their offensive possessions were the shortest in the league. Their defensive possessions, because they you know denied you early looks, they got back in transition, they made you get to the second, third, fourth options in your offense. Their defensive pace was really slow. And so overall, they had, you know, above average, but not like ludicrous pace, the pace measured as points per game because they made you play offense for a long time before you got an acceptable shot. And I think that's the part when we, you have to, when, you know, we should almost say we want to play quicker offensively. We don't necessarily want our games to be fast. That's a hard balance. Like if a team is, you know, a team likes to fast break, they tend to maybe give up breaks the other way, but you... You like in an ideal world, you would only play half court defense and only play transition offense. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I agree with that. It's a lot more fun too um, to to do that. I get it. I get why the young guys down in Houston actually want to do that and not play defense. Defense is hard. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids, and honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys, and Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Speaking of defense, I think we should talk about the Suns. You know, we did our big Warriors defense deep dive last week. But the Suns are, it's funny to say this because the Warriors are currently 15-2, and two, but the Suns are the hottest team in basketball right now. As of today, we're recording on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. The Suns have won 13 games in a row. And part of this is that they've run into their fair amount of injury luck with their opponents. I mean, they played the Mavs without Luka. I mean, they've, they've really had twice. twice. They've had some really good luck during this stretch. But the truth is, Nuggets without, Nuggets Jokic. without Jokic. But this run is a more of a continuation of last season. This is how we expected them to come out. They have turned themselves into a wins factory. They just know how to win games. They play solid defense. They're currently third in defensive rating. They get system buckets. It's easier for them to create opportunities on offense. They're seventh in offense. They protect the ball. They just don't turn it over. And they make their shots. And in a make-or-miss league, that sort of thing matters. They have become 
a prototypical Chris Paul basketball team. So is that it? Is that the story? Is it just that Chris Paul plays winning basketball and the Suns have followed along? Or is there more to it? I, no, I, I'm not giving this all to just Chris Paul. Like we saw this trend in the bubble and things like that. It helps. Obviously, he fits with what they're trying to do and everything that goes along with it. But it's everybody, you know, and more importantly, they're kind of playing with the swagger of we made it to the NBA finals last year, like they're intent on going back. And you can kind of see it with how they're playing. Now, part of it, too, is, you know, not just the injury luck with the schedule, but it's the schedule itself. Right. Beating up on the bad teams. It's been a soft schedule in these 13 wins. But. You're supposed to. They're doing what they're supposed to do. You're supposed to win those games. They're, they're, they're winning them the way they're supposed to and things like that. But they just have a perfect sense of themselves. They know everything they need to do. It's all continuity. Nothing has changed. Nothing has really changed with the squad. There's, there's you know, uh, the only thing is DeAndre Ayton goes out. Frank Kaminsky comes in and he plays great. You know, JaVale McGee has been great for them in in. You know, his his kind of pairing with Chris Paul and, and Booker and those guys. I think everything they got going is a good flow, and it is just a continuation of last season. And I think this is a case of, even though last year I didn't think they were the best finals team, in that you know, like with all the injuries and the stuff like that, this year they're just continuing on, and they've learned to be that team. And they look more finals ready now than they did last year going into the playoffs. And I think that's a, a big part of it is just that run to the finals helped these guys grow. And I think that's going to be a, a, a big part for them throughout the season. Schedule is going to get tough, guys. It's getting fun here pretty soon. I mean, they got two games against the Warriors coming up. They got the the, the Nets on Saturday. Like, those are going to be some games that are worth watching to see. All right, see what happens now when you play, like, real basketball teams. Yeah, you do have to keep in, in, in like on one hand, like they can only beat the teams that are in front of them, and that's they've been fortunate with that. But they're beating the tar off of the teams that are in front of them. Um, but you do have to say, according to Basketball References, strength of schedule, like just not even looking at who was actually available when they played, they've played the easiest aggregate schedule in the league. And then you like three of what would have been their tougher games against Dallas twice and Denver, they played you know against without. Uh, uh, Doncic and, and, and Jokic of there's seven teams in the league that are on a 50 win pace or better right now. Uh, the Suns are the only uh, only team that has played again, no games against any of those teams. So those are. Yeah. So they haven't. But you, you don't want to dock them too much because, again, they're doing what they have to. They are, as, as you say, they have the continuity from last year. They basically have the same rotation, like maybe Landry Shamit's getting Torrey Craig minutes and JaVale McGee, when Aiton's healthy, is getting those backup center minutes, which was you know such a problem for them in the finals. Um, but other than that, it's like they're it's the same thing. They're doing the they're doing the same stuff. They know what they want to do. Um, they are they've avoided coming falling into the trap that 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 sometimes happens with young teams. And we've seen it a little bit with Atlanta, though there's some injury luck there. You know, early in early in the year, it's about ten days ago when Trey Young said, like, hey, the regular season's kind of boring after where we got last year. And that's I think that's true, but I think the Suns have done the Suns are like, no, this is not boring. This is how we get back there by, you know, doing as you as you called it, Dave, being a wins factory. Just like we're gonna show up, we're gonna be professional, we're not gonna beat ourselves, we're going to play good defense, we're gonna get good shots, we're gonna take care of the ball, and yeah, we might drop a game here or there, but that's how we're gonna be good for the season and then, you know, worry about the worry about postseason stuff when we get there again. But we're gonna be in good shape when we get there. 
I'm going to derail the podcast here for a second just to go off on that Trey Young comment because that's the dumbest freaking comment from somebody and a team that hasn't really done much, right? They got a nice run to the conference finals and to have that attitude, a group of youngsters who really haven't accomplished much in their careers, to have that attitude is stupid. And this is why I was always hesitant when people were like, the Hawks, the Hawks next year. I said, this is the thing I was concerned about was this kind of attitude as them thinking, hey, we're going to be here every year. No, you're not good enough. Right now, you're playing at you're 11th, right? You're 9 and 9. You're a better team than this, and it's complete garbage and bullshit attitude from that. And if that's going to be the attitude they're going to take going into the season, they're not getting into the playoffs. They'll go into the playing tournament and get knocked out, whatever. Like that attitude, that's garbage. And I get it and I understand it from his attitude, says, but you build your habits in the regular season. That's what the Suns are doing right now. The Hawks went on a run in the regular season and that carried them into the conference finals. It's that kind of stuff. And it's I, I I'm sorry to derail the pot here a little bit, but that was when I heard it from Young, and i you know, it's something that's kind of stayed with me throughout everything. It's the dumbest freaking comment from a guy that's in year four in the league and hasn't really done anything. Uh, Jade, just sprinkle some explosions in there. Maybe uh, some screeching hawk noises. You know, I don't know if there's like a, maybe there's a sound effect of a hawk getting hit by a a locomotive. That's what we need because Mo just absolutely (laughs) just killed the hawks. But, you know, it's a good point, Mo. And I wonder if a little bit of this is a lot of the guys on that team have been there since they were bad. Pre-bubble, right? I mean, Devin Booker, we we all thought, okay, this is a nice player, but can he win for years? And now they're winning. I, I feel like experiencing losing to the degree that those guys did. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I do think that that little bit of a chip that they've got on their shoulder is important for them. And, and and to get to the finals, that stuff matters. And you can see they would like to get back. Like That's the overwhelming feeling I get from this team. They are there, like you said, Seth, they're there trying to take business or take care of business. They are, they are showing up with their briefcase and going to work, and that's it. And they were able to sustain losing DeAndre Ayton. They, they've, you know, they've been without Saric. Now, now their big man rotation is going to get a little shaky because Kaminsky is going to be out. So you've got Aiton and JaVale and you're running into a similar problem that they ran into in the playoffs where you really only have Aiton, you know, that you can trust to play, you know, 35 minutes. And, and you hope that leading into the playoffs, they're not leaning on him too much. But I mean, this team, I, I think that them and the Warriors are head and shoulders above everybody else right now because they're healthy. And they're playing good team basketball. 
next Tuesday. Looking forward oh. to that. Warrior Suns. Chris That's Paul gonna be a good and Steph one. Curry battling again. This is this is great. I never thought we were going to get to see these again for a while. Um, but now we're going to get back into that. Like that's that's the fun part of that rivalry. That's going to be fun all the way through. I mean, they're playing three times in the next month. So it's it's just just it's funny because we 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 have gassed the Warriors up a lot, but like a lot of those stats that I gave about like. Uh, um, uh, Phoenix's schedule. Yes. Uh, the Warriors yes. have the schedule <laughs> yes. and have played and have have played one game against another team that's that that's that's on a fifty win pace. So it's not like they're they've played like this you know massive gauntlet of uh, like they, I would say that that probably their best win of the I mean the Brooklyn game and then their their that game against the the Bulls which we kind of rhapsodized about. Uh, last week or two weeks ago are their kind of two signature wins. Now again taking care of business, but. So that's why I think it's going to be those are some games that are going to tell us a little bit more about where those teams are than kind of gaudy records built up against kind of the middle and lower tiers of teams in the league. Well, um, I, yeah, that's going to do it for this week, folks. Uh, the, the Suns are fun. The Warriors are fun. We're, we're getting the, the meat of the schedule coming up leading into Christmas is actually fantastic. I, I looked ahead at a bunch of the games coming up and schedule makers did a good job of leading us to the true start of the season Christmas Day. I uh, want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. If you celebrate uh, the the live audio from the book signing event in Milwaukee is going to go out to subscribers on the app at some point in the next few days. And it's going to be up on on Apple Podcasts as a bonus episode. So if you're a subscriber, don't worry. It, that audio will be available. A lot of Bucks talk, but really a lot of mid-range jump shot talk because... You know, we're talking about the mid-range theory, which is available at bookstores everywhere. You can search Seth Part now on Amazon and it pops up. Don't forget twitch.tv slash Mo DeKeel underscore NBA. The Twitch streams are live. Uh, I, Mo, are you taking the holidays uh, off? Probably. It depends how good the games are on Wednesday yeah. night. It might actually do a turkey day uh, game. So there we go. That will be after this podcast has dropped, so nobody It'll will be, care. That's true. This podcast will drop. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're releasing it uh, you know, on Friday. Um, and, guys, uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday uh, coming up. If you can get to theathletic.com slash NBA show before midnight on Monday the 29th, you can get a year for one dollar a month that's 12 bucks for a year subscription to the athletic you get the podcasts on the app ad free you get all the writing that's always ad free a buck a month theathletic.com slash nba show so go and do that now support the show tell them dave sent you sell tell them mo sent you that actually might get you something extra i don't know maybe they send you like the espn phone but we need the wow, athletic phone. That's what we that need. That was such a killer when one that those. came out. The, athle- the athletic, the pager. Remember like <laughs> oh, the, the, gosh, the sports no. pagers? Yeah. yeah. That. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, guys, for Seth and for Mo, I'm Dave. Thanks for listening to the Athletic NBA Show. We'll be back next week with another episode of Nerd Shooter. Happy Thanksgiving.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.